And hello, everybody. Hey, can we you first? You're 2010. I'm on you. And a couple of minutes before 7.30 here on the West Coast. And hope you're all having a wonderful day. We're going to call Patricia Nolan here in a second. But first, for Sarah Prayer. Dear Lord, thank you for this wonderful station. Thank you for this wonderful day. Bless all the listeners, the supporters, and the glorious opportunity of living in this country. We ask this in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Okay, everybody. Here's a little music while we get everybody ready to go.
And as we turn Les Brown down, hello, Patricia, how are you? I am fine, Walden. Happy New Year, everybody. Happy New Year, Nolan. Hey, how are you? I I have a radio on here, and I don't think we're, unless I have a tremendous delay, <laughs> we're not on the air. Um, well, hold on. I've got us tuned in. I don't go away. Phone. Yep, there we are. Yeah, okay. I guess it's just in this market. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't paid, the yesterday USA have not paid the, up the fees for uh, broadcasting in that part of Florida, I guess. That's it. Boy, I yeah. don't know. I can hear me. Well, that's good. Well, tonight, everybody, we're going to sort of continue and sort of wrap up our salute to the one and only legendary radio announcer, uh, Fred Foy. And Nolan uh, was a good friend of Fred, and you sort of helped Fred out on preserving some of his radio material that uh, he shared with you, didn't, didn't he, Nolan? Yes, radio and TV. Mm-hmm. Um, we got it in the conversation. Later on, you'll hear an interview that was done in, Le- in Lexington. And we uh, were talking afterwards, and Fred was going to send me a copy of the, uh, where he appeared as a Lone Ranger. And when it came, it was on a cassette, and I thought this deserves better treatment than this. So I put put it on uh, CD, and then I sent him a CD and returned his tape. And uh, he called and said, is this the kind of thing you do? And I said, well, it's, it's a hobby. Uh, it's not... You know, it's something I do full time. He said, "Could I get you to transfer a few things for me?" Uh, so I have a box full of things that I've accumulated over the years. Can you imagine how much that would be? <laughs> so he said, um, "I'll send them down to you if you don't mind." And, uh, and incidentally, anything that you want to copy for yourself, please help yourself. So you can believe I did that. Uh, we have cuts from him doing the Dick Cavett show and doing uh, various things over the years, including the, the Lone Ranger. And uh, that, that's about it. And the, the family uh, was very appreciative, and we made several sets of these uh, recordings to go to different family members. And I'm sure you're glad we did, because uh, it might not have gotten in this format if we, uh, if, if we had, by chance, hadn't had this conversation. True. Can you re- t- retell the story how you first met Fred Foy? Yeah, I tell you, uh, I don't want to beat that to death because it's, it's covered pretty uh, well in one of our upcoming okay. uh, sound bites there, Walden. Right. Uh, but it was, um, we, we were, I, I had the program for the Kentucky Broadcasters Association, and we uh, wanted to honor one of our friends that he was a very big fan of uh, Fred's. And then that's, I called him on the telephone. I got the number from the Gasman twins mm-hmm. and called him on the telephone and, and uh, set it up. But that's explained fully in one of these other episodes. And then... Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. And then you also met Fred back at the Cincinnati Old Time Radio Convention a couple of years ago, didn't you? Yes, huh? Yeah. Saw him, saw him there. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, that's where my daughter has a uh, home base. She's with the uh, Comair the uh, Delta Connection. Mm-hmm. She flies out of that, that area, too. Um, I'd like for her to say hello, if that's okay. Sure. If she's around, why not? Yeah. Say hi. Chris. Hello, this is Chris. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. Uh, well, now, did you, did you, did your dad take, did, have your dad 
influence you in any way of the love of the, of the crazy radio hobby? Yes, he did. Um, as a child driving from Kentucky to Florida for two days, I got addicted to the Amos and Andy series. We listened to all the way down on cassettes and still love it to this day. And the Lone Ranger, of course. Uh, was your dad a big fan of the Lone Ranger? Huge. Very big. We grew up with it and he used to entertain the neighborhood on summer nights. He would hang a sheet outside. We had a big brick wall and he rented a reel um, from the library with the, the Lone Ranger movies on it and the entire neighborhood would come and get popcorn and ride the bicycles and we had our own drive-in in the neighborhood watching Lone Ranger. <laughs> I love this. Hi, Chris. We've been waiting to be able to say hi to you forever. It's really nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. I've heard a lot about the show and you all as well. Oh, gosh. It's well, all good. Now, did your dad ever drag you off to the uh, the radio convention in Cincinnati? Or were you too busy working that you never got a chance to go? I never got a chance to go. No, being junior flight attendant, I was always uh, flying during those times. Oh, wow. Oh, well. Wow. Well, see, Pat, she grew up okay. <laughs> Chris, your dad was telling us one night about the horrible things he did to you when you were kids, uh, you and your brother. Um, when I say horrible things, I was just aghast when he told me he had convinced you that the big hay rolls in the fields with the cows were their bed rolls, and you weren't there early enough to see them rolling them up. That's right. When we would travel again from Kentucky to Florida, we would spend the night in Georgia, and he always wanted to get an early start. He told <laughs> us if we got up early enough, we would catch the cows rolling up their sleeping bags, and we had to move fast. And we fell for it for years because he said, see, if you'd done it a little faster, you could have seen it, and you missed it. They just finished. It, he has such a convincing way about saying things. And they go sailing right over my head. I, I believe he's serious all the time. So I understand how you managed to get hooked up into this. I think I was 16 when I realized it wasn't true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's as funny. As well as the cars that we would see smashed on tra um, the tractor trailers, he said that's how cars are made. If you sprayed water on them, they popped up. Uh-huh. He told us that one too, Chris. I don't know. Um, and it sounds like you survived okay. I did great. He is my hero, mentor, wonderful. Oh, he's pretty special to us, too, but um, we didn't grow up with him, so you'll, you'll just okay? have to share him a little bit, if that's okay. <laughs> no, it was wonderful. He was the big kid in the neighborhood. Not only did he show the drive-in movies, everyone would come to get him because he would go sleigh riding and build fires for us on the streets, and we just did all kinds of things, and... Um, a slumber party tour, I have to tell. We were going to bring back Morris the Cat. I think we were in fifth or sixth grade doing the seance type thing. And <laughs> Dad being Dad put a speaker in a closet with a cat meow. And my mom was sitting there with us. And as it came and the cat meowed, one of my friends said, that's her dad, and opened the closet, and no one was there. So they ran down the stairs through the screen door without opening it. And oh, my gosh. And the whole door, but he got us. That one backfired. Ah. I lost the screen door in that deal. <laughs> Serves you right. Hmm. Chris, what kind of radio are you able to listen to now? Old-time well, radio. 
my XM. I have XM, and um, I'm 80s and 90s baby, so that's pretty much all I listen to in my car when I'm in it, which is very rare because I'm usually in the plane. Yeah. Okay, you're forgiven. (laughs) (laughs) We will get out of the way and let you get the... uh big show underway, and I'm sorry I can't participate more than this, but you wouldn't want me after a while. Oh, boy, Nolan, I'm, I'm just really so sorry. You, you just sound like you're not feeling on top of your game at all. I'm hitting on all eight right now, but I'm sure we will listen. You guys have fun. Okay, Nolan, thank you so much, and Happy New Year to everyone. Happy New Year to you all, too. It was very nice speaking with you all and enjoyed it. Thank you, Chris. Our pleasure. Promise. Good night. Bye-bye. Good night. Bye-bye. And there's Nolan Kenner and his daughter, Chris. And Nolan and I, we're going to map out and continue our uh, special here. The first thing we had catalog uh, is a special that Fred Foy put together. Oh, it had to be the late 80s, early 90s. I think I got mine 20 years ago, practically. Fred narrated his whole life story, how he broke into radio. And it's a great documentary, 38 minutes long. And then after that, Patricia and I will be back, and we'll play some of the clips that no one fed me down the line. So you ready, Patricia? I'm ready, Walden. Here we go. A studio in an old mansion on Jefferson Avenue in Detroit, Michigan. A group of actors gathered around a microphone. The time, 7.30, any Monday, Wednesday, or Friday night. The airwaves resound with the familiar strains of the William Tell Overture. The director throws a cue, and a voice intones the opening words that stir millions of listeners. A fiery horse with the speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty high silver, the Lone Ranger. The voice was mine, Fred Foy. The program, The Lone Ranger, destined to become an American legend. And the legend began at Bryant's Gap. Butch Cavendish headed a pack of outlaws. They struck without warning to steal and kill. Open fire on that wagon train. Wipe them out to the last man. The Cavendish gang attacked ranches and towns as well as wagon trains. Everyone feared Butch Cavendish. His gang grew rich and powerful. Finally, the Texas Rangers learned where Butch Cavendish and his gang were hiding. Six Texas Rangers guided their horses along a canyon floor to arrest the Cavendish gang. Presently, Captain Reed signaled a halt. Right in, boys. We'll wait here until a scout returns. Do you think it was a good idea to send Collins, our guide, on ahead? It was Captain Reed's younger brother who asked the question. The captain explained that Collins, who was not a Texas Ranger, was the only man who knew the country and who could scout ahead for information. Then, while the Texas Rangers waited for the guide's return, the captain said to his younger brother, My wife and son are coming from the east. If something happens to me, and you survive, well, I know you'll take care of her and Danny. Right. I'm going to count on you to resist. And that's a very nice salute that Fred Foy did about his career. And Patricia and I are back. 
when he, when you had him on live one night a while back, gosh, it was at least a couple of years ago, yeah. and he told the story about the wolf, and it's my wife, and uh-huh. I thought I was going to die. I, mean, I just started to laugh, and I couldn't stop. It was such a wonderful story, and you just, it, he, he told it so beautifully that you could close your eyes and just see what was happening in the studio. It was such a great story. What a nice tribute. Thank you, Nolan. I know you're listening, and, and thank you so much for doing that for us. So now we're going to feature some of the clips uh, that Nolan sent down. Great. And so the first one, Patricia, uh, Fred had a career doing movie trailers. And he- what did, I, I only heard that recently. Yeah. And I I really didn't know much about it. Uh, they mentioned that he did the trailer for Gone with the Wind, and I, you know, I know Fred wasn't working back in 1939, but I guess it was the remake. So here we go, folks. Here's some of Fred's work with Gone with the Wind. Have you noticed that radio shows today? I'm sorry. This is the Radio Hall of Fame. Boy, boy. This is the one... This is when uh, Fred got inducted into the Radio Hall of Fame, Patricia, in Chicago. So we're going to talk with that. So here we go. Have you noticed that radio shows today have little fanfare? It's maybe a short jingle, but you know, it wasn't always that way. Listen. Buck Rogers was held in suspended animation for 500 years. And is now adventuring in the amazing world of the 25th century. Who knows what evil lurks in the hearts of men? The shadow knows. The adventures of Superman. Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Yeah, who's that? The Lone Ranger. Uncle, uh, 
<laughs> it's amazing. 50 years ago, when I was just getting started in radio in Detroit, I had the wonderful, incredible opportunity to work in the Lone Ranger with that wonderful cast and, of course, with uh, the talented man that's about to be entered into the Hall of Fame. Uh, and uh, the man who's going to introduce him to the Hall of Fame is an actor that we all know, and he grew up listening to the Ranger show. His big breakthrough came in the movie Goodbye Columbus. He won a Golden Globe for his work in The Sunshine Boys. He's done Broadway, the television series and films, ranging from my favorite year to his latest, Laughter on the 23rd Floor. Please welcome Richard Benjamin. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. You know, Nancy Foy is one of the top casting directors in Hollywood. I've worked with her many times. And before I first hired her, she started to tell me her resume, and I interrupted her, and I said, you know, there's an announcer named Fred Foy. Are you related to him? And she said, he's my dad. And I said, you're hired. <laughs> when I was a kid, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday nights at our house at 7.30, everything stopped. I stared into the radio. The William Tell Overture started, and Fred Foy spoke. I was gone, transformed by that voice into the Old West, riding alongside the Lone Ranger and Tonto. But I didn't want to be the Lone Ranger or Tonto. I wanted to be an announcer. For the next couple of years, I walked around our house saying, this is Fred Foy speaking. <laughs> this is Fred Foy speaking. They told me to stop saying that. Since the story was told largely by narration, Fred Foy was as much a character on The Lone Ranger as anybody else. In fact, when Brace Beamer uh, came down with laryngitis one night, Fred played The Lone Ranger. Beamer heard the performance and he was never sick again. Fred Foy started in radio in 1940 and joined WXYZ in 1942. After serving in the armed forces during World War II, he returned to Detroit and in 1948 became the announcer for The Lone Ranger. His voice was so recognizable, I knew it when he filled in for the announcers for the Green Hornet and Sergeant Preston. The Lone Ranger show ended in the mid-50s, but Fred went on to do the op his opening on television in that version. In the 60s and 70s, he worked at ABC TV and became the announcer for the Dick Cavett Show, which is where we first met. I heard him live. His career, of course, continues. I heard him live last week on National Public Radio and I felt that same thrill. He will always be the announcer who kept me so entranced all those years ago. Listen and remember. And now, Cheerios, the nourishing breakfast cereal made from oats and ready to eat, presents The Lone Ranger.
Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. On Silver. Let's go, big fella. I am Silver. The Radio Hall of Fame. The Radio Hall of Fame is proud to induct Fred Foy. Thank you very much. Thank you. I, I'm thrilled and deeply touched by this honor. And uh, first of all, I must uh, give tremendous thanks to my wonderful family for rallying the troops and all of uh, those friends and fans uh, deserve a hearty thank you from me. You know, it was in 1948 that uh, I won the George W. Trendle Lottery and began my long ride with that masked man and Indian. And for me, they were very special years. Uh, sharing uh, the adventures with Brace Beamer, who was the Lone Ranger, John Todd, who played Tonto, and our marvelous uh, stock company of talented actors who brought every adventure to life. And they were all exciting and unforgettable. That's why I, I want to share this evening with them. I want to salute them and thank all of you in my own way. Those famous words that uh, will forever be etched in my heart. A fiery horse with the speed of life, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger, with his faithful Indian companion Tonto, the daring and resourceful masked rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse Silver. Ranger rides again. Easy, steady, big fellow. Are you And I forgot when Fred got inducted into Radio Hall of Fame. That's the one in Chicago. Huh? And they're, racing, they're trying to raise money to reopen it. They, they had to move it from the cultural center. And they promised they're going to do a brand new home for it. And that's where uh, they have Jack Benny Vault. And they even have a replica of Fibber McGee closet. Oh, my goodness. So hopefully that will be open fairly soon. That way we can all go there and enjoy radio. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. Next clip here, Patricia. These are, as I was uh, mentioning earlier, the movie trailers that Fred did. I guess he mm -hmm. did these in the late 60s. So the first one's going to be with Gone with the Wind. Here we go. 
now. In the grandeur of 70-millimeter projection and full stereophonic sound, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the most honored motion picture of all time, Gone with the Wind. A monumental drama and great love story set against the vast background of the American Civil War. Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, Leslie Howard, and Olivia de Havilland star in the David O. Selznick production of Margaret Mitchell's Gone with the Wind. Now, for the first time, in the 70-millimeter grandeur of widescreen projection and full stereophonic sound, Gone with the Wind. And I think there's another one. The American Civil War provides the vast background for one of the world's great love stories. Margaret Mitchell's immortal classic, Gone with the Wind. Again, Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer presents the most honored motion picture of all time. Now in the grandeur of 70-millimeter projection and full stereophonic sound, Clark Gable, Vivian Lee, Leslie Howard, and Olivia de Havilland in the David O. Selznick production, Gone with the Wind. I guess I didn't know they re-put that in the theaters back in the 60s. I remember when they did it in the 80s because I went to it when the fifth anniversary of Gone with the Wind came out. Mm-hmm. This one, Patricia, uh, it's a movie trailer of a movie I never heard of until Michael Beale played this. So this one's a short one. So here we go. This is the sound of Grand Prix. Now. Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer and Cinerama hurl you into the most exciting experience of your life. One free. From the glamour capitals of Europe comes the sensational story of the men and women who live for the dare and the danger, the speed and the spectacle, the passionate adventure of Grand Prix racing. James Garner, Eva Marie Saint, Eve Montan, Brian Bedford, Jessica Walter, dramatic new stars Antonio Sabato and Francoise Hardy, Toshira Mafuni, the world's champion Formula One drivers, and you at the wheel, flat out at 185 miles an hour. This is Grand Prix. And there we go. Heard of that one either. Now this one is my mom's all-time favorite movie. That Fred did the uh, trailer for, Doctor Chivago. Oh my goodness! Okay. Yeah, yeah. So here we go, everybody. Excitement of great events, the fire and passion of human emotions, and the drama of a great love story against a vast background of war and revolution. Now, from the most widely acclaimed novel of our generation, Metro Goldwyn Mayer presents Doctor Chivago. Dr. Zhivago, brought to the screen by David Lean, the Academy Award-winning director of Lawrence of Arabia and Bridge on the River Kwai. 
And there we go. Alright, Patricia, the next thing we're going to play is the uh, time when no one can arrange for Fred to come down to Kentucky and surprise his friend, who his friend was a fan of the Lone Ranger, and Fred came down and did a surprise, you know, announcement of the Lone Ranger for him down in Kentucky. And this is a 25-minute interview with Fred Foy, and they do a Lone Ranger recreation. So, if you're up to that, Patricia, we can let that play. Go for it. Here we go, folks. We'll be back in 25 minutes. I'd like to first introduce you to the first of my two special guests this morning. He is uh, Nolan Kenner, uh, president, owner, general manager, and head bottle washer at uh, all of the above. WSFC. WSEK in Somerset, Kentucky. And good morning, Nolan. Good morning, Jack. You've also been a guest on the show before. I have. As a matter of fact, we set up a network once, I remember. That's right. It was uh, all of the three-station network and had a good time. We're going to have to do that again one of these days. I think so. Uh, you have, have brought along with you this morning a gentleman I have admired for many, many years. If you would, Nolan, set us up in terms of, of how he came to be with us this morning. Well, we have a very good friend, a mutual friend, Jack, a man named Walter May over in Pikeville. Walter's the mayor of that city and a fine broad, broadcaster. Mm -hmm. And I read an article in the uh, Courier when they were doing the cities around the state, the articles on the counties. And, and the first thing they talked about in this article on Pikeville or Pike County was Mayor May. And in the lead paragraph, it said a young Walter May was sitting in the kitchen listening to the radio with his mother, and the Lone Ranger was on. And at the uh, end of the program, he said, that's what I want to be. And she said, the Lone Ranger? And he said, no, the man who tells about the Lone Ranger. So, of course, he was talking about uh, Fred Foy, the announcer on the program for years. Right. And it occurred to me, what a neat deal if we could surprise Walter and have this man come to the, our convention of the Kentucky Broadcasters last night. And we had a heck of a time with security and getting Fred in without him being introduced. We had right. a code name for him. It was all very, very secret. He was sitting on the dais and uh, without an introduction, one of those things where he said, this is our special guest. He'll be introduced later. Walter had no idea. No idea. Right. He's in the audience. So we got up and we played. We, we uh, had the uh, newspaper article autographed and framed, and we played an excerpt of uh, Fred doing the show, and he thought that was going to be it. Well, then we said, if you like that, you're going to love this. And we rolled the William Tell Overture, and live, Mr. Foy did that open and, and got a standing ovation before he could get through it. The crowd went wild. Everybody was on their feet cheering. He had to stop and, and wait for them to settle down to finish it. And... Uh, I believe if we prevail on him, we might get him to recreate that moment if you've got oh, some wow. appropriate. Good morning and welcome. Good morning, Jack. Pleasure Boy, to be here. It is a delight to have you here, sir. Well, thank you very much. You've been a, you, you're a, a real pioneer and a legend. There, you know, that's a term that's used awfully loosely these days, but it certainly fits in your case. We're just very, very pleased to have you with us this morning. Well, I'm very happy to be here. Will you recreate that moment for us? Of course. Let's do that. horse with a speed of light, a cloud of dust, and a hearty Hyo Silver, the Lone Ranger. With his faithful Indian companion Tonto, 
the daring and resourceful mask rider of the plains, led the fight for law and order in the early western United States. Nowhere in the pages of history can one find a greater champion of justice. Return with us now to those thrilling days of yesteryear. From out of the past come the thundering hoofbeats of the great horse, Silver. The Lone Ranger rides again. Easy, steady, big fellow. Are you Silver? I tell you, I got cold chills. How about that? Wow. <laughs> Jack, fantastic. It's incredibly too, too uh, modest to interject this, but I want to. This man is the voice on the trailer for the re-released version of Gone with the Wind. He was on the trailer for Dr. Zhivago. Motion picture. You tell talk. people what a trailer is. They're thinking oh, of, of a car yeah, that's pulling something down the road. That's, that's, <laughs> right. So what? The guy rode in a trailer and saw Gone with the Wind. <laughs> Actually, it's the preview you see at the right. theater or on television. And uh, he was the announcer on the Dick Cavett show for a number of years. Uh, you remember the Dick Cavett show of course. on ABC? Of course. I wanted to interject that. I'm today. glad you said that. Tell us how it all started. Oh, my gosh. It all started, I guess, with a, with a young uh, fellow who, who wanted to be an actor. And uh, after graduating from high school, made the rounds in Detroit, my hometown. Of course, with no experience, no one was interested. And uh, I started running elevators at Kern's department store and then found out uh, a little 250-watt uh, station, WMBC in Detroit, had a little uh, acting company, and they would audition folks. And if uh, they felt you had some ability, they would accept you uh, for... Uh, training, no no money involved. So then I was running elevators, would go down there twice a week and work on the shows. Finally, I was offered a, a part-time announcing job on Sunday afternoons, which I grabbed. And then, lo and behold, one of their staff left, and I was offered a job. And they said, would you like to become one of our staff? And I said, wonderful. With a glorious sum of 25 bucks a week, I left uh, running elevators for 14.95, And that's how it all started. Wow, and came right <laughs> up in the world. Now, how long were you there? I was at uh, WMBC until about 1941 when I auditioned and moved over to WXYZ staff. Which is a much larger oh, yes, station, obviously. Right. And uh, that's where the Ranger originated, the Green Hornet, Sergeant Preston, out of WXYZ in Detroit. I didn't realize that. Oh, yes. Wow. So then the war arrived, and I was off and gone for a while, returned to staff after that. And uh, about 1948... They decided uh, to change the announcer-narrator. Harry Golder was on the show. I, to this day, I really don't know why, unless it was some personal conflict. Mm -hmm. And uh, they auditioned a, a bevy of people, and I was the lucky number to be pulled out of the hat. And I started uh, doing the show uh, in 1948. Until when? Until it finally wound up uh, as a radio show, and my voice is on the, uh, of course, on the uh, television show. Right. And but what year did it go off radio? Around 1954, I believe. Right. And and made that transition right from radio to television. Is that is that correct? No, the show was on while when the TV series. It began. was. Oh yeah. At the same time. Right. But it wow. was at that time they had stopped live production, so these were recorded mm -hmm. shows on the network. Mm -hmm. How many years did you do the show live? Oh, let's see. I would say close eight to ten years, and it was every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday live, year-round, year no summer hiatus. See, this is something that most of us can't relate to, uh, live radio or television. Uh, and it, it, the, the pressure that has to be involved where you can't go back and do it That's again right. has to be unbelievable. You know, it, I, I suppose uh, 
in the beginning, when I first started with the show, you, I was under that kind of attention. But after you do it a while, there were, you never think about it. I, I have to be honest. You always knew that you had the support of the actors and whatever. And if somebody, if something really happened, someone would step in and keep it moving one way or because you had to, no matter no matter what. It had them go on. Obviously, you made that transition into television uh, by virtue of the fact that you were working with with Dick Cavett and so on. How, how the the story, if you will, surrounding how that came to be. Well, what happened after the uh, after the uh, show and and uh, the Green Hornet, Sergeant Preston, all of the radio dramas died in Detroit. Uh, I picked up my bags and went into New York, and luckily uh, joined the staff of ABC after a period of time. And uh, radio or television? Th at this point, we did every not TV, no, okay. but we worked on we. The general staff did news on uh, local news on the network, uh, remotes. Uh, we. We covered all all areas, and eventually we worked. Uh, as far as TV, we worked in the booth, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then uh, Dick Cavett arrived, and they auditioned. And I must say this: that I really believe that my my uh, long run with the Lone Ranger had something to do with uh, with my edging in on the audition. Because when I remember when I was auditioning, and Dick was in the control room, and uh, they had copy openings to read and so on. Mm. And Dick uh, kicked on the talk back and said, Fred, would you, for me, would you do the opening? <laughs> right. <laughs> so I did. And I have a feeling he was, I know he was a big Lone Ranger <laughs> fan. And that may have tipped the scale. It certainly my... didn't hurt, did it? <laughs> no. How long was that show on the air? About seven years. That was put on the air. Was that put on the air to compete with The Tonight Show? No, not at all. No. It started out in the morning. It was okay. on as a morning show. Then, then it went. Uh, I think in about six or seven months, it went into the late night spot. Right. When Joey Bishop left, he Dick moved into that area. Yeah. And it was a wonderful seven years. I mean, I I grew up with my idols uh, in the the movies, uh, uh, whatever, and and to spend seven years meeting people that I never thought I'd <laughs> I'd see except on the silver screen was really wonderful. In the event that you've just joined us, my guest in the studio this morning, Nolan Kenner and Fred. The next show. The next show, correct. All right, and we thought uh, because we have enough warm bodies in here, <laughs> we we have recruited Ron Quazala to play a part here, that we would actually try to uh, to do this. We we do have one gentleman in the studio with us this morning who no doubt do a sparkling job. The rest of us, uh, there is a big question mark in my mind. Uh, uh, let's see, we've got uh, we've got the announcer part. I think we pretty much have that covered, Nolan. Yep. Uh, then we've got a judge and Gibson and a bailiff and Clayton. So actually, we are we're one man short. So I will, uh, uh, with your permission, take the part of the bailiff and Clayton, and I will try to make the bailiff sound different than Clayton. Uh, you. Now you'll take the judge's part because I know you've been studying this at home. I have. I've been practicing. <laughs> And, and I was wondering if you would say my name was Fred Foy again. Because <laughs> you like that sound? I got Nolan Kenner and Fred Foy. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if you will, uh, Mr. Quazala, if you will take the part of the man who is going to be sentenced to death, uh, Gibson, we selected that. Typecasting. Not much of a stretch. For so I, I guess, uh, Fred, I guess we should start with a little appropriate music. Uh, would that be in order? Would you like for me oh, to yes, start please. with the music here? All right. Very good. Now, this is a professional deal we're running here. Here we go. The judge looked down at the prisoner who cowered before him. You'll be remanded to the custody of the sheriff. 
and taken to the county jailhouse. Then in the morning, you'll pay the penalty for murder, death by hanging. But I didn't kill him, Judge. I didn't. Take the prisoner away. Come on, you. But I didn't kill him. I'm innocent. I didn't kill him. As the prisoner was dragged from the courtroom, the real murderer smiled and said to his partner, Well, that's the last we'll see of that hombre. Now everything is perfect. Then the Lone Ranger comes onto the scene and things become far from perfect for the murderers. But the prisoner makes a false move and places himself in the path of those who will kill him before the hangman does. Only the Lone Ranger may save him. Be sure to listen to this next thrill-packed Lone Ranger adventure. Oh, man, we're pretty darn good. I tell yes. you, better than I thought we'd do. <laughs> That's a wrap. That's a wrap, buddy. Thank you there, Ron. because it is a masterpiece. Mm. It even has fibber beat. Oh, that's pretty good. That's very good. <laughs> it is very good. Okay, so what do you want? You want some quotes for the new year? You want some customs and traditions? Do you want um, some foods? Or do you want me? Or what? I want you. But, but what do we want to do? Well... Let me give you a couple of New Year's quotes, and then maybe we could play our first show. That sounds good to me. Oh, that would be cool, unless somebody calls us and rescues you, because I... Oh, oh, I still have your question. Wait on me, Patricia. What do you got? All right. What I you think got? you're going to get this one. I didn't get the one last night, though. Yeah, I know, but, you know, that was, that I mean, was I'm, hard. What I'm, was yeah, it? Well, this is the New Year. Yeah. Yeah. What did I ask you? I asked you... What, what color? What color pink? What color is pink? No, I don't know. Ask you what color is pink? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I will find what I asked you. Oh, um, Walden, what color is pink? Pink is, pink is red and silver mixed together. Yeah, it's that's very good. Yeah. Ah, true or false? Was Mil was Mert the only television? Oh, that's right. That was your. Yeah. That, that was the way you wrapped uh, up the year on me. Yeah, I did. That was a good one, too. Very good. Okay, let's see what we got for Walden here. Walden's question. Who was the first actor to play Flash Gordon on radio? Okay. Um, I'm going to say Matt Crowley. No, it's a surprise answer. Is it Gail Gordon? It was Gail Gordon. Yeah, and I that want was you my to be friend. proud of me. I knew that. Yeah, I, 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 I knew Gail Gordon did it for a while, but I just wasn't too sure... Well, he was in the chronology of the thing. So what, it was Gail Gordon. That's pretty good. Mayor Latrivia and Mr. Conklin oh, on Our Miss Brooks. Brooks was also the first Flash Gordon on radio. Did you know? Amazing. This man's career is absolutely amazing to and, read. And did you know? Probably that, not. Oh, I know you know. Oh, I'm I just didn't. Gonna, I'm, get, I, I'm just going to help, help okay. pronounce it. Did you know? Uh, really, in his early part of his career, he was a, a, a leading man uh, for Irene Rich for eight years, and so it was hard for him to break into the comedy field. Jim Jordan was very nervous about hiring him because he wasn't too sure if he could ha handle comedy until he got into the stage. Well, how interesting. Yeah. Now, where did our Miss Brooks, our Miss Brooks was much later. Right, starting in 48. And yeah. Then, and then he was with... Bibber and Forty. Mhm. Mm and you know, oh. he was 
he was a master of timing. Master, and you know who his mom was in radio? Yeah, yeah, she's the one who played, um, and I, I always forget her name, but she played our Miss Brooks landlady? Uh, my friend Irma. My friend Irma, Irma not right. our Miss Brooks? Nope. <coughs> Excuse me, um, yeah, what was her name? Gail. Gordon. Gail Gordon. Gail Gordon. Yeah. So she would she would be landlady over for my friend Irma. Fun family. Uh, he was born in England. Yes. Yes. We had a lot of people who were born in England and in Canada. Well, I know West Tremaine was from England. Uh, Gail Gordon. A lot of radio people. Of course, okay. Karloff. Mm-hmm. He was born in England. Ronald Coleman. Uh-huh. Basil Rathbone. I think, was Rathbone England or South Africa? He was born in South Africa. Yeah. Moved to England when he was about three. Okay. Herbert Marshall, I think, was English. Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. Herbert Marshall actually just had one leg. He lost it in World War One. I did not know that yeah. either. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And Bill Stern. Bill Stern was on one leg. Yeah. And Al Cap, who drew Lil Abner, uh -huh. also was an amputee. Wow. Wow. We That's really have a remarkable group of people yeah, were involved pretty, in entertainment. Pretty amazing. Okay. Well, that was your question. Oh, right. And well, I get two credits, two in you, a row. You've you done good. Oh, my gosh. What a way to start the year. That's it. I'm finished. You're finished. You, you can get, get every single one that for the rest of the year. I started off the year right. All right. I, I'm proud of you. Okay. Here, here are some quotes. Okay. This one, and I don't know who these people are, especially the person who's listed as author unknown. Mm. I don't know who that person is. <laughs> This one is Bill Vaughn. Do you know who Bill Vaughn is? V A U. Uh, I thought it's the name of a senior, but I don't. That's about all I know. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> um, youth. This is his quote. Youth is when you're allowed to stay up late on New Year's Eve. Middle age is when you're forced to. <laughs> that's a good one. Mm -hmm. An optimist stays up until midnight to see the new year in. A pessimist stays up to make sure the old year leaves. Ah. Oh. That well, but you and I are optimists, so that's why we stay past midnight. Yeah. 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 We've, well, you know, we're finished with the old one. Let's start a new one. Uh, many people look forward to a new year for a new start on old habits. Now, that oh. one rings true. Mm -hmm. Sure. Makes sense. New Year's, a New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. Yes, that is true. That's a good one. That's true. Well, People are so worried about what they eat between Christmas and New Year's, mm -hmm. but what they really should be worried about is what they eat between New Year and Christmas. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. That is good. Absolutely. That is good. So those are my quotes for tonight. I have a couple of more, but those are the better ones. It's amazing. There were not very many New Year quotes. There were quotes about everything, but New Year's quotes, not very many at all. Hmm. hmm. Trying to think who was born on New Year's Day. I think Terry Moore, the good friend of Tommy Cook, who was a movie actress, who was Little Beaver's girlfriend on the Red Rider radio show, and I probably uh -huh. some others, but those, those are oh, just there birthdays. are a couple. Betsy Ross. Ah. How about that? Yeah. 
What else do I have here? Hmm, must be in my notes. Just a minute. Notes, notes, notes. Yes, it's at the bottom of my notes. Okay, on this day, we've got some really interesting stuff. Dr. John Watson. You know who Dr. John Watson is? Of Sherlock Holmes fame? Of Sherlock Holmes fame. Mm-hmm. In 1881, on January 1st, 1881, Dr. John Watson was introduced to Sherlock Holmes. Ah. What's his first appearance? I date that one. Live in infamy. No, not infamy. It's good stuff. Oh, well, date that will live forever. Forever. Okay. This is good. Okay. What happened on January 1st, 1863? This is in your arena. Well, let's see, it'd be the Civil War, and uh, I think that's, I think that's when uh, Lincoln um, set the, the slave free. The Emancipation mm-hmm. Proclamation, you're Correct. right, he signed it on January 1st, 1863. Yep. All right. Now, this is another one that's in your Daily Whip out there. <laughs> 1866, what happened in 1866, and this is a California thing. Huh. 1866. I don't know. First Tournament of Roses in Pasadena. No kidding. 1866. Isn't that incredible? Wow. Okay, 1902. This is out in your territory, too. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. 1902. Walt and Patricia were not born in 1902. <laughs> we were not born in 1902. <laughs> no. This is true. I don't know. What's in 1902? It was the first Rose Bowl game. Uh, Going back much further than I thought. Yeah, yeah very good. All right. Do you, and do you know who played in the first Rose Bowl? I do not, but, but my guess would be USC and somebody. It was Michigan and Stanford. Huh? Michigan creamed Stanford. Yep. 49 to 0. That's a big time score. That's an embarrassment. I know. Oh, my goodness. Okay, 1908. That's the first, and I, I found out, I, it was on the night, December 31st, 1907. When the ball dropped. 1908. Mm-hmm. So that's the day the first ball dropped yep. in Times Square. And in 1934, now this one's really important. Mm-hmm. Alcatraz became a federal prison. Ah, I've been there. See, this is, oh, this, this is California goodie. Yeah, I've been to Alcatraz. Is it spooky? It's, especially when you were locked up in solitary confinement, which I, I volunteered to be. Uh, it, it's a little spooky in there. It must have been awful. Yeah. What an awful, awful place. Yeah. Phew. Um... Okay. On this day in history, in 1962, the Beatles' DECA audition was unsuccessful. Does that uh, sound possible? Yeah, I think it was. I think it was. I don't think, I don't think they, uh, I don't think, well, they, they didn't take in America right away. Yeah, but so. 1962. I thought they had a, a good foothold by then, but I guess not. And the last one, in 1966, what was the number one song in the United States in 1966, on, on January 1st, 1966? Was it a Beatles song? Nope. 
Was it a rock and roll song? Mm, I, I don't know what you would consider a rock and roll song. I always, I do, I have a hard time differentiating rock from roll from other contemporary music uh -huh. time. So it, Simon, well, and Gar, Simon and Garfunkel's Sounds of Silence. Yeah, that's that, that's sort of a, I would put them in the folk category, yeah. Folk, that, that would be about right. Uh -huh. um, they're, they're more folky. Yeah. What's interesting about this, and I, I didn't see a note uh, according to this, they finished 1965 number one with Sounds of Silence and came into 1966 and was still number one. So they technically, not technically, in reality, mm -hmm. they had the same song at the top of the charts in two years, two that's, separate years. That's true. That's true. How about that? That's very nice. It was a piece of trivia that I had in my little head. Good for you, Patricia. Oh, you're terrific. <laughs> Adorable. You, what am I going to do without you? I just don't. Adorable. I just yeah. So we've got horsey trivia tonight. We've got, um, let's see, I'll, let me throw some goodies out here. I've got, some of these are marked in green, which means they've been out there for a while. Mm -hmm. We've got different colors. Red ones are taken. Um, you know, those have been answered. The, the ones in black print are still outstanding, and the ones in green I've asked, but nobody answered yet. Who did the show Let George Do It? I'm sorry. Erase that. What show Let George Do It and yours truly, Johnny Dollar, have in common? That's a good question. Awesome. Then we had another one. It's true or false. I hope Ralph is listening. <laughs> true or false. In the show Blackstone, the Magic Detective, mm -hmm. was the character based on a real-life magician or not? That's a good question. And then we have horsies for tonight. Mm -hmm. Give me two out of three. Champion, Loco, and Thunder. Who rode those horses? Champion, Loco, and Thunder. And the second set of horses that are still waiting to be answered, Papoose, Buckshot, and Joker. So we've got Champion, Loco, and Thunder. Papoose, Buckshot, and Joker. Give me two out of three in either group, and, and you're a winner. And ah, we have a winner. And another one is Scar. Remember, you, we haven't found out who Scar belonged to. Hello there, you're with Patricia. Okay, I'm ready. Oh, wow. <laughs> what you got? Okay, well, which one are you going to tackle? Okay, I'll, uh, what was the first question again? Okay, Bob Bailey. Yes. And um. Yes, I'm Dollar and, um, yeah, George Brown. Let George do it. Okay, now the second one, the horses. Champion uh -huh. was, um... Champion, Loco, and Thunder. Uh, Thunder was Red Rider's horse. Excellent. Loco was Pancho's horse. And Champion was Ginochi. Yes, yes. Oh my gosh, you got all three of them. All right. What was the third one? Well... That was it. You, you got um, Pancho for Loco. Oh, no, the other, the third question. Oh, well, I want to know. The next one was Papoose, Buckshot, and Joker. Buckshot was Bill Hickok's horse. Right. Joker was Jingles. Right. And what was the third? Papoose? Papoose. Um, Little Beaver. My gosh, you are good. Okay, now about Scar. Scar was um, the Texas Ranger. 
No. No, that was charcoal. Wait, no, wait, that was charcoal. Scar. Who is Scar? Scar. I, I know I know it, but now. Anybody heard me? My favorite Western of the old time radio show. Her favorite. My West favorite Western. Of old time mm -hmm. radio. Oh. oh my gosh. I should know. Okay. Go ahead, tell me. <laughs> Who's Scar? Well, okay, I'll give you the character's name. How about Brett Ponson? Oh, yeah, Brett Ponson. That was at, um, I know, I know, um, Six Shooter. Oh, right. Good job. There you go. Good job. Shooter, yeah. You well, anyway, that was fun. I... <laughs> <laughs> you are good, Ron. It was a game. It was fun. Um... Yeah, so. <laughs> My mind is a little tired tonight. I, um, last many, night many, I didn't get home till. Uh, how many hours did you work last night? Um, let's see, we got work from 7 to 9, mm -hmm. then from 9.30 to 12.30. By the time we put away our equipment, we didn't get home till about 2 in the morning. Ooh, what's too late for you? That's too late for me. You aren't allowed to stay out that late. You're going to get punished. But then for you, that's a crack of dawn, right? <laughs> oh, for me, that's that's way too so wide awake. And then we had to get up early to uh, watch some football games, you know, and stuff. So, yeah, it's been a long day. What time did you get up, Patricia? I don't want to tell you. <laughs> Yeah, I don't blame you. <laughs> well, we know. We, we, Walden kept me up until very late. I, I know. know. He said after he hung up. I mean, got after you guys stayed up to almost seven thirty in the morning. You're at least, mm -hmm. at least, and I didn't go to bed then for a, quite a while. Ah. Oh. We know she got up by ten thirty tonight. <laughs> Just, I was up at ten thirty. I put a well, anyway, I will let you guys go. It was fun. Aloha and haole makahikiho. Oh, I put my list away, and I learned how to say it, too. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. It's, all right. Halo makahikilo. Oh. <laughs> no, haole. Haole makahikiho. Okay. Ole. Ole. I've had such a good time with the Christmas one. Why am I messing this one up? Lelekalikimaka, right? Yeah, I'm cool on that one. Okay. Well, I mean, that one That one is easy to say. This one is... Yeah, next week. Aloha. All right, next week you have to teach me another one. Okay, bye-bye. Uh, aloha. Aloha. There he goes. Ah, I tried so hard, too. I messed it up. Well... Okay. So I have to toss out another question. Well, should we play a show? And then we can play a show. Oh, right. Toss this one out because somebody got it already. Got Buttercup. Who rode Buttercup? Buttercup. We answered, We asked that last night. So if somebody heard the show last night, they should know. Uh huh. Okay.
Okay. Um, Dale Arden and Dr. Zarkov. Mm -hmm. Who were they? Good. I like that question. That one's good. Yeah. And then there was another one, true or false, in Blackstone, the magic detective. Was Blackstone based on a real, live, honest-to-goodness magician? Yes or no? Mm -hmm. And that's good. That's good, too. That's good. And if you've got the answers, you got to call. Yeah. Give us a call, 714-545-2071. And if nobody calls while I'm in the middle of this, we're going to play a show. Yes? Let's do it. All right. It's getting to be close to snack time. It'll be close to snack time. That's right. My mm -hmm. goodness, look at the time already. Mm -hmm. You know, we have such fun. Mm -hmm. I lose track of time. I looked at the time last night, and I just couldn't believe how, how long we had gone because we were having such a good time. That's true. Okay, this one I think is ever so special. It starts out just so perfect for the new year. It's the McGee's Win Wistful Vista from August 26, 1935. It is the show in which Fibber and Molly actually get 79 Wistful Vista to their little names. And I thought, wow, you know, even though that's not the absolute beginning of the show, Fibber, McGee, and Molly, it is the beginning of their regular life and life as honest-to-goodness, real-people citizens of Wistful Vista. So we're playing the McGee's Win Wistful Vista from August 26, 1935, and I am not asking any questions when we get back from this one. Uh-oh. What? Uh-oh. What? That's a, that's a new one. <laughs> well, I have questions for the second one. Oh, okay. So, are we ready to go? Uh-huh. All right, folks, we'll be back. Here we go. This is WENR, the voice of service in Chicago. At this time, WENR leaves the air in favor of WLS. Good evening, everyone. You are now listening to WLS, the voice of Prairie Farmer, America's oldest farm paper, Chicago. of Johnson's Wax bring you more musical moments of unmitigated merriment with Rico Marcelli's orchestra, Ronald Mansfield, Charlie Wilson, the Johnson Merrymen, and Marion and Jim as those gay and garrulous gadders, those gasoline gondoliers, Fibber McGee and Molly. Marcelli and his men leave their broadcasting for forecasting, and they find it's going to get hotter with shifting woodwinds and a rain of rhythm in The Weatherman. Wrap it up, Rico. In 
the midst of this sparkling music, let me remind you that now is the time to wax your car. Your family, your friends will be proud to ride with you when your car sparkles and gleams with a Johnson wax polish. Ask your dealer for Johnson's auto wax and cleaner. You'll receive a can of fine quality black touch-up enamel absolutely free when you make your purchase. Don't delay another day. Wax your car the Johnson way. bread, a jug of wine, and thou. Well, that's Fibber, McGee, and Molly. Two loafers, bread, a jug of the motor, and thousands of miles behind them, they come in sight of a new real estate development. Look, McGee, it is a carnival. Let's stop. Oh, shucks, Molly. We ain't got time to go messing around those dead red carnivals. Besides, it ain't a carnival. Well, then what is it? Look at the people and the flags and all. I don't know. What's the flag say on them? Well, slow down. 